And welcome back to, oh, sadly, the last edition of the uh, 2020 Jefferson Lines, bringing us the Twins Wrap with Dick Bramer, the television voice of the Minnesota Twins. I am Derek Hansen, and well, I really thought going into this year, Dick, that you know this postseason, I was feeling good about life. But I, not only we can talk about the Twins and everything else, but as we saw last night too, you got a playoff experience team. You can't take a team like the Houston Astros lightly whatsoever. No, they've uh, been battle tested. Obviously, you can question the manner in which they uh, got to the World Series a couple <laughs> right. of times, but uh, uh, you know they, you know, and I think that showed up in the Twin Series where you got guys like Correa and Springer who've had much bigger at bats than the ones Rosario and Kepler and uh, the Twins players have had, and there's nothing you can do about that until you start winning playoff games and advance from round to round. And sadly, the Twins didn't get it done again this year. Yeah, it it really is. I don't know if you can pinpoint anything. I I'd, I always say to people that you know people get really mad and they will text into my shows or whatever saying how can you still be loyal? I mean, aren't you angry? I say I don't really really get too angry cuz normally I enjoy the journey. And maybe it's because they're the only team in my lifetime to give me two world championships and all that. <laughs> but, but and honestly as a Minnesota sports fan, but I think this year frustrated me more maybe because we only got a shortened season. And what ailed them was what was supposed to be their strength, their offense, and it just wasn't there. Yeah, it was a sequence of really bad at-bats. Uh, I mean, you go into these things, at least you should, with the idea they're going to be low-scoring games, right? And so you need to get uh, a big hit. And let's you know, not forget, you know, in the very first inning, Twins loaded the bases against Zach Grinke, and you know, Rosario hit you know, maybe the hardest ball the Twins hit in that two-game series. And if it's a foot higher, it's over Guriel's reach and into the right field corner for a three-run double, and who knows what would have happened. I mean, there's certain things in baseball that you just can't control. Kirby Puckett used to say you can't aim the ball. Your job is to hit it hard, and Rosario did in that at-bat, but right at the first baseman. You know, you look back and you reference 87 and 91, and then you look back at the playoff series in those years and the World Series, and, and you know, sometimes it's just – fortune or fate that determines who's going to win a ball game. And, uh, you know, the, the only good thing, Derek, about, you know, losing again this year is it's in some way made dispel the notion that it's, you know, the Yankees, because, you know, the A's did it in 2006, they swept the twins and the Astros in a two game, uh, two out of three formats swept them this year. So maybe it's not the Yankees at all. Maybe it's just the twins need to play better in the playoffs, which is, uh, I think what I've been saying all along. Yeah, well, I go back to 2006. That one, you're right, because I don't think the Yankees series has really frustrated me outside of the the Joe Maurer double that wasn't, that should have been. But uh, I'll never forget that Torrey Hunter going for the ball and then the inside the park home run really set the stage for that one. And, and like you said, just kind of a series. The, I've, what stands out for me, too, you got a guy who's been so solid at shortstop in the Polanco air, you know, kind of rushing the ball to second. It's just, you, you, if I had hair, I'd pull it all out. That play, unfortunately, decided game one. It was a scoreless game. The A's got three, or excuse me, the Astros got three unearned runs after that. And then, okay, now this Twins team is, you know, back on their heels for game two and, you know, probably were, you know, white knuckling some of the at bats and all that. So, yeah, you know, here's a guy who, made two errors in what 56 full games at shortstop for the twins. Um, and he kind of got caught in between, I guess he was kind of backpedaling, fielding the hop. He's made that play 
you know, a couple hundred times in a twins uniform, but that time he, you know, hooked the throw, didn't give a rise much of a chance at all. Uh, and then, you know, that would have ended the inning that would have ended the threat and the twins, you know, if they score uh, in the bottom of the inning, they win game one. And again, who knows, but you have to execute, you have to, you have to make plays. You have to, you know, do the type of stuff that the Astros have done so far in the playoffs. And uh, who knows, you know, it, it, as I said on Twitter this morning, maybe it's destined that it's the Astros and the Yankees. And then in this year where we've had to improvise and have some creative uh, rules and formats, maybe they can come up with one where they face each other in the ALCS and they both lose. <laughs> well, and think about it. Who wants revenge more, the Yankees or Dodgers, if they see the Astros, right? If it does come down to that, they'll be fighting yeah. about who wants to pick away at the meat on that bone. You know, and it's really distasteful the, the way the some of the Astros players have handled their success in this postseason, as if uh, you know they they somehow are are paying baseball back for uh, being uh, wronged uh, in being caught cheating, uh, when in fact uh, they they owe baseball a tremendous debt that can never be repaid for how they ended up winning their World Series. So. If it is the Yankees and the Astros in the ALCS, I think I'll become a National League fan. Yeah, it's uh, it really is one of those things, too. You look at the situation with uh, looking back on it, it's so frustrating for so many people, myself included, just to think about what tainted what I thought was a really good World Series, too, with the Dodgers and Astros, right? I'll never forget. That was a really good World Series, and then we just think about that now. If the Astros have to face the Dodgers, uh, uh, not that you would need any incentive to get up to play in a World Series, but uh, uh, my goodness, the Dodgers would be sky high, and and uh, they'd be doing all sorts of stuff. They'd be stealing bases up by eight runs and scoring on sacrifice flies if they're up by ten runs. It'd, it'd be interesting to watch for sure. Yeah, for sure. I, I want to get back to the Twins here. Uh, Taylor Rogers and Sergio Romo. It was. I think if one thing was kind of disappointing too, their dominance at the end of 2019 just wasn't there at the end of 2020. Yeah, and and it's really curious uh, in the case of Taylor Rogers. Now, in Romo's case, you know you you know hitters have learned or should have learned if they paid any attention all at all over the last seven eight years. You can sit on the slider, and it can come at a little bit of a different speed and have a little bit of a different tilt to it. But that's his go-to pitch. That's why we've seen since he's come to the Twins so many fastballs taken for strikes, uh, in many cases strike three, because the hitters, you know, it's an 84-mile-per-hour fastball. They're not too concerned about that. They understand that in Romo's case, he's going to succeed or fail based on his slider. So I think what we saw was hitters sitting on that. In the case of Rogers, you know, the analytics are that, that you know, the spin rate, uh, you know, all the analytics that are used now to judge not just pitchers, but pitches, um, you know, they all registered similar to how they registered uh, the year before when he was so effective. So it brings to mind to me, not that I know anything about this, but if, if that's all the same and the success rate wasn't there, you wonder whether somehow there he, he wasn't tipping some pitches along the way. And unfortunately, we'll have a really long off season for Wes Johnson and the others to take a look at the video and see whether, in fact, there was a tell in, in Taylor's delivery somehow that they knew when the breaking ball was coming. I, I guess what surprised me, we in 2019, we saw so many swing and miss breaking balls, and we didn't see so many of those in 2020. So, again, kind of leads me to believe that 
somehow, some way, Taylor may have been tipping his pitches. Dick Bramer's with us. It's the Twins wrap here. Brought to you by Jefferson Lines, and unfortunately, uh, wrapping up the Twins season and just talking about postseason baseball in general. Kind of look at the, who's leaving, who might go. What What's your take on as far as that? I mean, does Romo come back? Rogers is still around. Do they get someone to maybe back end Rogers as a closer? We'll start with the bullpen. How do you think that's going to shape up for next year? Because you know, Trevor May has been throwing heat. I'd hate to see him go as well. Yeah, but Trevor's a free agent, and so he has yeah. the freedom to consider the twins offer. And I strongly suspect they'll make one uh, consider the twins offer and then, uh, you know, go someplace else if they choose to uh, in Trevor's case, uh, it may work out well for him. The Seattle Mariners have all kinds of holes in their bullpen. And that's, that's, um, you know, Trevor's home area. Uh, so he may get a really lucrative offer from the Mariners and that might lure him away from the twins. Uh, but, you know, Ray, uh, Taylor Rogers will be back. Uh, a guy who kind of fell off the map, Zach Littell. I know he's still very highly thought of uh, in the Twins organization, a great power arm. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. You know, even when teams win World Series, it seems like the bullpen is the most fluid part of any team's roster in the offseason. They come and they go and they, you know, reappear someplace else. I know the Twins were thrilled with Tyler Clippard. They'd like to bring him back. But again, he's a free agent, which means he's free to go someplace else if he chooses to. So, uh, yeah, even if the Twins were still alive and were going on to a World Series championship, uh, inevitably uh, there would be changes in the bullpen. Getting to the stutters then, and, and I, I should ask you about this too. I want to ask you about this. Taking out Kenta Maeda and also uh, Jose Barrios after five innings, I know the analytics now are saying you, know, you don't want to see the lineup a third time around, but, boy, I – for me, and I know Dan Gladden said on the radio side, you gotta if you want these guys to be the next Clayton Kershaw, they got to go through that, and they just have to face that fear. What's your thought on that? Well, you know, I didn't have a forum, of course, during the the postseason, but I would I was telling people privately, you know, Jose Barrios is um, a great pitcher, right? I mean, all star pitcher two times, um, and and the one thing that's lacking in his on his resume is a signature game. And I suggested to people uh, who I was around in watching the playoff games that maybe, you know, game two would be his signature game. Well, the fact is, as you point out, you really can't have a signature game if you go five innings and you're taken out. Uh, and it'd be one thing, too, if the Twins' bullpen uh, hadn't uh, sprung a few leaks in the last uh, couple of weeks of the regular season. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that's a, a justifiably a questionable decision to take Kenta Maeda out after five. And I always look at things, Derek, uh, from the standpoint of the other team. How are they going to react to a pitching change? And I can promise you, in the case of the Astros, when Maeda and Barrios each came out, uh, the Houston dugout was pretty happy about that because they weren't hitting anything hard against either one of those guys. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's the way things are done, not just in the twins organization, but organizations across baseball, unless you have a Kershaw or a Cole or somebody like that, you're really skittish these days about letting your hitters face a lineup for the third time. What's I, I hate to see Jake Odorizzi go, but it's hard to believe that he might come back. It, and it's really too bad because he's such a good person too. I was really hoping that it would work out for him. He bet on himself in 2020, and between COVID and his health, you know, as far as physical health, it's just too. It's a shame it didn't work out. 
Well, and I haven't given up hope that Jake will come back only because I don't know what uh, type of market there would be uh, for him. Uh, He's, what, 31, going to be 32 years old here. And it was, in every sense of the term, a lost season for Jake Odorizzi with an assortment of injuries, uh, uh, not arm-related, other than when he got hit by a line drive. Um, But structurally, his arm is fine. He's a very cerebral pitcher out there. And I can see him signing another one-year deal with the Twins. What's going to be interesting is, you know, how soft is the market going to be generally in baseball? I mean, this is an industry that did not sell a ticket for the regular season. And so now for the Jake Odorizzi's of the world and the Trevor Mays of the world, you're, you're entering free agency. But so many teams have so much money already committed to 2021 because of existing contracts, what on earth is the market going to be for the free agents entering a market that is uh, not in economic, uh, you know, uh, peril or anything like that, but there will be adjustments made perhaps by all 30 teams when it comes to, you know, budgets for next year, both on and off the field. Yeah, no question. That's going to be interesting. As far as the offense is concerned, you know, Nelson Cruz, uh, I, he seems to like it in Minnesota. I hope that works out because he's obviously a fan favorite, and you can't argue with his production. No, although I think if you looked at it objectively, he had a much better first 30 games than second 30 games. He had a little bit of a knee issue as well. But the fact of the matter is, you know, he got uh, the two biggest hits that the Twins uh, got in the, the short postseason series and looked like he was ready to really be productive if the Twins had been able to, you know, get to uh, the ALCS or the World Series beyond. Uh, What's interesting with Nelson is I think it's a really good fit, but at some point baseball is going to need to decide whether they're going to uh, bring back the designated hitter in both leagues again in 2021. The collective bargaining agreement expires after 2021, and it is assumed, uh, perhaps incorrectly, but it is assumed that the DH will be adopted by both leagues in the next collective bargaining agreement. Well, that leaves next year. Now, what are you going to do for next year? If you're a national league team, your, your pitchers can't hit anyway, and they haven't hit for over a year. Hmm. So now you're going to expect them to go out and, and try to have competitive at bats. So if, if the national league decides, if baseball decides that the national league will have the DH again next year, well, suddenly now for Nelson Cruz, instead of 15 prospective uh, uh, suitors, there'll be 30. And so it would be in his best interest, I would think, to see whether uh, you know the Twins want him back as much as, say, the Chicago Cubs might want him. That's a very good point. Uh, hopefully there's one more year of <laughs> the pitchers hitting the National League so the Twins only have to compete against 14 other teams. I never even thought of that. Holy cow. Uh, as far as the outfield, you know, Kirilov comes up, and then that makes me think, are we going to see an arbitration offer to Eddie Rosario? I don't know. It's going to be an expensive one, you know, in the neighborhood of what, 10 million, something like that. Uh, You know, and Eddie did not, you know, project himself very well this year. Um, You know, whether it was, you know, getting tossed out uh, needlessly in in the second game of the playoffs, uh, the base running mistakes, a lot of the mistakes we we see from him, we saw as a rookie. Well, that's not a good sign because he's not a rookie and he's been around and he's supposed to be one of the veteran leaders of the team, but you see a lot of the same mistakes year in and year out. Uh, you know, good organizations make room 
uh, with the four of the Kirillovs and Larnix and Lewis's. You, you just can't have stagnation. Uh, I always think back to you know Michael Restovich, who was a really good prospect for the Twins, and he stagnated at AAA for like four years, and he never really had an impact in the big leagues. Uh, and, and there's a lesson to be learned there. You, and it's hard to do, of course, after 2020 when the prospects didn't get a chance to play hardly at all, and certainly not in a competitive environment. But you don't want the Kirillovs or the Larnix or the Lewises or you know the pitching prospects as well to feel like they're they're stuck at a level because there's somebody above them at the major league level who you know uh, is you know uh, got more experience and has already proven to be a, a productive major league player. So in the case of Rosario, that's a really good case study. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, Kepler is signed to a you know longer term deal, but you know it's a by all accounts a team friendly deal. So that might make him more marketable if uh, if the t- Twins decide to make room uh, for uh, you know some of the younger prospects. Maybe Kepler's the guy to go. So we'll see. I, I think there will be some movement in the outfield to allow at least one of these young guys to come up and play. Yeah, you mentioned, too, Kepler with his longer-term deal that he signed. I think Polanco was right around the same time. And you mentioned Royce Lewis, the up-and-coming superstar shortstop. That That's kind of one of those things, too, where Polanco is a really good player, and then you have this guy who's supposed to be the, the next big thing. How is that going to play out? Yeah, and then I think you can look behind the plate as well. You know, Ryan Jeffers really distinguished himself both behind the plate and at the plate. And he's kind of a, a similar player uh, to a Mitch Garber, who really talk about Jake Odorizzi having a lost year. Same too for Mitch. Oh yeah. Uh, so you know you don't know whether as, as starved as most organizations are for catching, you know whether it would be one or the other uh, coming back as the primary catcher uh, for the Twins. It's, there's there's a lot to be um, you know looked at, investigated by the front office to see what direction they want to go. And that goes for the pitching staff, the position players, the outfield, the infield, and the catchers. As we wrap things up here, and I'm sure we'll do a lot of speculation about the what the roster is going to look like as we get into what is really going to be a hot stove league, and hopefully things will have somewhat of a normal spring training and a season as we get into 2021. But but your take on the uh, final eight here, how do, you, how do you see this all playing out? Some pr- pretty good matchups, I mean, I don't know if Major League Baseball and the TV networks necessarily want like the Marlins and Padres, but who knows? I mean, the Marlins have gotten hot right at the right time here and certainly some interesting matchups, and the Yankees certainly made a statement yesterday. Well, there's a couple muscle cars in each bracket, right? You got the Dodgers in the National League side and the Yankees on the American League side, and they're both playing really, really well right now. So I'm I'm sure the networks would love to see a Dodger-Yankee World Series. Uh the way they're playing, I mean, they they look really, really good. The Yankees were vulnerable for a while in, in mid-September. It looked like they might not even make the playoffs, but they're healthy now. And when they're healthy, they are who they typically are, and that is a really productive, uh, destructive uh, lineup with a pretty good pitching staff. And they got healthy at the right time. So on the American League side, I, I really have a hard time – not that I want it to happen, mind you, but I have a hard time not looking at the Yankees as the favorite on the American League side. And I guess uh, sentimental favorites aside, 
uh, the Dodgers would be the clear favorite, I would think, on the National League side as well. 1981 all over again. That was my first big inf- yeah. Bur- I mean, I was in third grade. I don't mean to age everyone here, but that that's the one thing. My dad was always a Dodger fan, and I just I'll never forget that World Series. It was one of the better ones, that's yeah. for sure. You were in third grade, and I was in the third year of a 30-year mortgage. <laughs> well, well, I remember a little bit of the Cards Brewers series, to be honest with you, and actually Philadelphia and Kansas City. I, you know, I watched that a little bit, but the one that really got me addicted to baseball was uh, that series. So just uh, it kind of brings back memories every time I think about the, the Dodgers and the Yankees, as I'm sure it does for a lot of people. Well, it was a short ride, but it was a fun journey nonetheless. Certainly I'm going to be looking forward to seeing you coming up as we get ready for the next season, and hopefully better things are to come. The unfortunate thing they'll be talking about, okay, regular season one thing, and so much focus will be on the postseason with this unfortunate record they have right now. But it's always fun to kind of talk about how this team is going to get constructed in the offseason. Well, Derek, I really enjoy these visits. Uh, you know, I know the Twins have uh... – uh, very devout fans in in the Valley area, and, and I've really enjoyed this uh, doing uh, this with you the last couple of years. But you know, I, I you know we're all going to look forward to next year, and as uh, the winter you know uh, winds up here uh, in the coming weeks and months, uh, you know we'll all be looking forward to baseball. And, and the sad fact is uh, that's a fun thing to look forward to baseball. But let's just hope that uh, our nation uh, is in better shape to put on a sports season and and, uh, have a much better 2021 than we had in 2020 across the board, because so much of what's going to happen on the baseball diamond next year uh, is going to be determined by, uh, you know, how we are in in relation to the pandemic. And uh, I I hope that we can get a chance to do this again next year. And I hope we can limit our discussions next year to baseball instead of some of the other topics we uh, unfortunately had to discuss uh, in 2020. Yeah, no question. <laughs> I don't want to go through that again. Well, you mentioned uh, labor peace, please, along with everything else, too. So that'll be another thing that goes along with it. And uh, we'll wrap things up here talking about, hey, a great Christmas gift would be Game Use, your new book. I know it's been selling well. I enjoyed your little vignettes with your reading on the uh, Twins Radio Network here on KFGO. So what a great Christmas present for uh, anybody who loves baseball. doesn't matter who they are. Fathers, grandmothers, whatever it might be. Well, I've had people tell me that uh, particularly when we uh, got our delayed start to the season, that the book helped kind of bridge the gap. So uh, for for anybody who's interested, uh, I really hope you enjoy it. It's basically a love story uh, between me and the Minnesota Twins. So it was a fun project to work on, and and I'm glad to hear that, uh, that, that people have enjoyed reading it. Dick, thanks so much for your time. Again, I hope to do it again next year in 2021. I appreciate it. I do, too, love these visits with you. I know the audience does as well. And you have yourself a great rest of the year, and uh, we'll see you again very soon. We'll hope that everybody winters well, and uh, opening day uh, is one day closer today than it was yesterday. Very good. Take care, my friend. All right, you too. Dick Bramer again, the Twins wrap, our final one of 2020. It was just too short. We talked to him throughout most of the summer, and most of our conversations, unfortunately, were about uh, them not being able to come to some type of agreement to play baseball, but they finally got that done, and that is the good news there. Again, the Twins wrap brought to you by Jefferson Lines, and we'll see how this uh, postseason plays out. We'll take your phone calls, 237-5948, 1-800-880-5346. You can text message us, 35270. 
Then we'll head to today's KFGO featuring uh, news and views at night and some other great interviews and conversations that we had throughout the day with all our great live and local shows here on KFGO. This is Couch Potato Radio. Derek Hansen with you here on the Mighty 790.